It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here. The football season, uh, well, the regular season now over Missouri awaits its bowl fate. And from somewhere uh, between the East Coast and the West Coast, Barry Odom joins us now to talk a little bit Uh Coach, busy week for you guys after, uh, I mean, people think the games are over, but you guys might have gotten busier this week now. I think it really is, and uh, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. The The way that things have changed, and it, it's never really um, changed as much as it has the last two off-seasons for me with the, the early signing period. And, and after your last game forever, you've always gotten on the road pretty quickly. But, but now the focus changes on the commitments that you do have that are going to sign early, you know, making sure that you're all squared away with that. This year we're going to have a number of mid-year signees. Um, so for them to finish up the right way academically and, and all the things with admissions. Um, and then we're, you know, hitting the, the spots that we do have left that, that may not sign in December. Uh, making sure that we get a good evaluation on those guys as well, um, so that the time frame sped up a little bit. But also, you know, you you want to make sure that every year that in this position, hopefully, we get to the point where we're you know we're back on campus this week preparing for the SEC championship game. Um, you know, it's be great. You know, finding out on Sunday where we're headed for a bowl game, and and our guys are excited about that. We'll have our first practices this weekend, even though we don't know our opponent yet. We'll do some good on good work and uh, shorter practices, but also uh, to get the guys. You know, we're playing so well right now. I, I want to continue to capture what we've got going and and make sure we stay in the groove of of the habits and the discipline of. To try to get one number nine. Sounds good, Barry uh, Mitchell Forty here. Uh, I know that you know while you all are are a little more busy this week, that the players get a, a little bit of a an off week with, with just kind of lifts and, and stuff like that. But just generally speaking, uh, once you all do get back going, how, if at all, is bowl preparation, bowl practices different than uh, than maybe your regular routine during the season? Well, it's changed a little bit also with with that theory because before we had the four-game uh, redshirt you know, rule that went into effect this year. You know, Normally during this time, you wanted to get a bunch of your young guys extra work mm-hmm. and – uh, but after you know this year and, and even last year, because we played so many freshmen, those guys have you know they they've practiced the way that that you're supposed to. Uh, they've got a number of reps, you know, the experience now that they've gained throughout this year. Uh, so it's a little bit different. It'll be more like a spring practice for us uh, because we don't know the opponent yet. You know, we'll go ones versus ones and two versus two, and get the other guys in there as well to make sure that that we do get the speed of the practice that we need to the work, but spend some time fundamentally on making sure that, that your habits are right, especially this time in the year. You know, it's easy to brush through, you know, your initial on-snap footwork, your eye discipline, all the things that, that go into playing the position the right way. You know, it's always good to, to make sure that you're on point in all those areas, and that'll be something that we spend time with uh, focusing on on Saturday. So you mentioned the the bowl deal, and obviously there's a lot of things that have to happen before you guys know exactly where you're going. I understand the answer to this question is we're happy to go uh, to whoever wants to have us, but also every team in the SEC gets to kind of submit their their choices, uh, you know, in order kind of 
What what are you guys uh, you know hopeful for, or uh, do you really do you guys have a better idea what might happen in this process than we do at this point? Yeah, I really think we'll have a better, clearer picture after the CFP uh, rankings are out uh, because of the you know the LSU and A and M game the other night that affects everybody else in the league on on kind of the the pecking order, so to speak. So we'll know a little bit more after those come out. Um, the thing that is is unique within the conference that we're in, you know, they, and, and, and maybe, maybe it goes on everywhere. I'm not sure, but, but they have direct open communication with, you know, kind of our, our bowl committee of, of in-house our administrators and all the folks that are trying to get us lined up uh, to the best opportunity for, for kids, for student athletes to have, have a, a great experience. And uh, so there's been a lot of dialogue going on, a lot of communication uh, within the league office and, and our administration and you know, after the after the CFP numbers come out or the or the rankings, and we'll have a little bit of, of a of a better idea. You know, if we get a certain number in the new New Year Six bowls, then that moves everybody up a little bit. And if if we don't, then then the numbers adjust according from there. So, you know, the thing I want our players to do is is have a great experience. Uh, in the opportunity that we've got to go play in a bowl, there's going to be times that. Uh, that it's that it's time to go to work, and then there's other other times that you know I want them to experience and have an enjoyable time because it it isn't a re, uh, a reward for for playing well, and you know the the different locations with the bowl games that they have set up within the conference tie-in that we have, you know you can make the most out of every out of every situation, every bowl bowl game that 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 you're going to end up in. You know, if I could if I could pick it out, you'd want the weather to be about 80 degrees and, and sunny. Uh, so if we can project where that's going to be and get that one locked in, I'll take it. Yeah, well, that's not in Columbia. That much I know. <laughs> um, but uh, the, with the you mentioned the the college football playoff rankings tonight, and look, I, I know coaches generally don't don't tend to put much stock in it, but but kids do. They like to see a number next to their name. I mean, is is that something that I know you guys are just outside of the polls? Is that something that you think would would be pretty big for your kids if if you are in in the bottom half of those rankings tonight? Absolutely, and you know, really, uh, this you know, it, it uh, speaking very honest, I, I don't know why we aren't ranked. You look at some of the guys that are, uh, and then you match up the strength of schedule on what our record is, what we've done. Uh, and how well that we're playing right now, I, I I don't understand it. But maybe we will be in in the the one that that comes out tonight, uh, kind of see where we stack up. And and absolutely, it means something to all of us uh, within the organization because it means we're making progress and continuing to move forward. So, uh, and if we're not, we'll use it as motivation to try to end up there at the end of the year. And so, you know, our, our guys have talked about it, and, and and that's okay that they have that they understand they're competitive. They want to. I want to be recognized for the job that we're doing, and uh, we'll see how it turns out tonight. And if it doesn't, then you know all the more reason to get number nine to end up where we need to be. Barry, just you know, kind of looking back on uh, on the season now. You know, I know you, you talked a little bit about this after after uh, Friday's game, after the, the Senior Day stuff, but but you know, one of the big goals for Drew Lock, in, in in addition to, to obviously you know winning as many games as he could as senior was to get you know, more ready for the NFL. How do you think he's a, a more NFL-ready quarterback right now than he was a year ago? Well, I think he's made, you know, a lot different throws this year or has been in the position to do that. Uh, he understands route concepts to a higher level and how to put us in a position, you know, depending on 
on the different defensive looks that we've been able to get. He's made a lot of checks at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and I think he's got more patience than, than he had maybe last year on understanding that it's okay to, you know, take the check down if, if the other stuff is not there, take the check down and live to play another snap. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's improved uh, what I think is one of the best arm talents in, in the country, and now it's even better. Um, he's got an understanding that his football IQ has grown a tremendous amount. I think, you know, I think he's going to be a high draft pick, and I think he's going to play a long time. Uh, he's he's really developed himself in the last year as a, a complete guy, and uh, you know I know that it, that he's a, a smarter football player now than he was before, and uh, understanding of the game is is on a different level than it's ever been. The, the season as a whole, I, I tell people all the time, just the the line between success and failure is is so small. I mean. It's easy to make the argument you guys were two plays from ten and two, and it's also fairly easy to make it you were two plays from six and six. Uh, how, how do you guys look back at this regular season? Was it one that hit your mark? Do you feel like you left something on the table, or or do you feel like you ended up probably about where your talent said you should have? Yeah, I don't know on the, the you know the ending of the win loss record. I do know that we you know I think we improved as the season went on. I think we're playing our best ball. You know, I, I think we started playing our best ball which is you always want to make progress and, and get better each week. I think we had a chance to do that. I thought we played a lot better uh, together as a team. We played smarter ball. Uh, we leaned on each other and understood that, that who we were uh, maybe in an earlier time this year than we have before. Embrace the opportunity to, to be able to try to prepare the way that you're supposed to. And, uh, you know, the, the, Maybe the most rewarding thing for me it was it was a fun group to coach because they liked playing ball. They liked practicing. They understood it. They competed. They worked together. They celebrated each other's successes. And, uh, you know, I would think that, that it means so much to this group to, to go out and finish one more together because they are a close group. And that's that's a lot of fun to look forward to for me. Bear, obviously you mentioned, you know, the team playing its best ball lately, the, the breakthrough game, which, you know, we've all talked about a lot, was that, that road win against Florida. And not only was it, you know, the, the first win against a reg team like we've talked about, but just coming off of the heels of a of a pretty painful loss against Kentucky. You know, I, I know a lot of teams, every team, players, coaches stand up there after a loss like that and say, you know, we'll go back to work, we'll we'll bounce back. But but the fact that this team actually, you know, kind of kept the confidence and was able to do it, what, what do you think maybe sets it apart from, you know, the number of teams that would have, maybe let that loss cause another one the next week? Well, I think it's it's done over a long period of time, not just on a on a Sunday night meeting. I think it's with, because of the way that the locker room set up. I think because of the guys you've recruited into the program, and I think it has to do with the leadership of the of the team. You know, we had a, a, a strong leadership group uh, that led our team, you know, through good times and bad, and that's really, really important. We stuck together and understood at that point – uh, that we were really close to being a good football team. Uh, we had we had to be willing to continue to stay the course, keep our blinders on, and and you know work on knowing that we were going to get back in that moment. We were going to get back there at some point, uh, and to use that experience to to push us through to make sure that that the result ended in the way that we wanted it to in in, in winning games. I went through today and looked. I think you guys have 11 true freshmen that, that will not end up using a red shirt. And I know you've said before, and if you look around the country at the Alabamas and the Oklahomas and the Ohio States, they're playing kids their first year on campus because 
they're recruiting kids that are ready. Um, how big is that for the future of your program that so many of these guys, you were able to get them out there, whether it's a Jalen Knox for 600 snaps or even, you know, a guy like Jatorian Hansford who, who was largely on special teams? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge for us. It's huge for Missouri because of, of the program we're building and who we are. You know, that experience for all those guys is going to make them so much better when we start back at spring practice. And then that combined with playing as a freshman, you know, when they line up for fall camp, they're going to have a lot more experience reps. You know, the, the understanding of knowing what it takes to prepare and then what it takes the speed of the game in our league. I mean, it's huge for for us moving forward. And, and if we do the right job recruiting, then we're going to have that many again next year that will play as well. And, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, kind of – if you're if you're doing it the right way and you're able to continue to, to develop those guys, which I think you look at the health of our team over the course and, and why we were playing as good as we were in November, a lot of it has to do with, with Cutslow and, and all the things that he does in our weight room on getting guys in position to be their best as the season and the grind went on. And those guys that were, you know, freshmen early in the year, the number of experienced reps that they've got through practice, you know, practicing good on good. And the pressure that we were able to put on those guys early on to, to learn the playbook, to understand you know their role and what we needed them to be, I think it only points to signs of, of growth and, and being a better football program moving forward. Two of those guys, that uh, those freshmen that, that did uh, use their, their first year of eligibility this year were running backs, Tyler Beatty and Simi Bakari. And then, of course, is in addition to Larry Roundtree and Demaria Crockett. And, you know, I've just kind of been impressed that, all those guys, none of them were, were particularly highly rated recruits. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have the longest offer list, yet they've all been very productive whenever they, they got, got on the field this year and in years past. Just, you know, what, what do you think it is maybe about, uh, about I don't want to you know, give away any, any of your secrets there, but about uh, is, it, is it more of an identifying talent uh, piece that, that has allowed the, that group to be so special or just their development once they got to college or, or some combination of both? I think it's a combination of a number of factors. One, you know, is is the play of our offensive line and the work that those guys did on providing, you know, such a physical uh, style of play, blocking at the point of attack, understanding that the the veteran group that they had up front that we had on the way that they played, that that created a lot of opportunities, you know, across the board offensively. Uh, The four backs that we played, you know, they've all got unique skill sets um, that – really have, have developed, you know, saw something that obviously we, we were attracted to and we started recruiting them, but they've taken it all to a, a little bit of another level on the way that they've worked since they've got on campus, the understanding of, of the game plan on what, what they need to do and pass protection, you know, and running routes and being patient with the ball and, and also knowing and understanding who they are. You know, if, if, if you don't have great speed, don't don't try to outrun everybody to the corner, get north and south and get what you can get. Try to get to the second level and then make a guy miss or be physical and always finish the run moving forward. You know, there, there's a lot of difference in, in Larry Roundtree and, and uh, Tyler Beatty. It's just, they're, they're different guys, but, but all four of them bring something so unique to what we need offensively that, that they've all helped our team so much. All right, last uh, last Missouri question for you. We started talking about recruiting. You guys are on the road all week, and, and obviously you can't talk about specific kids or, or list off uh, where you're going this week. I mean, if you want to, we'll let you, but I think it wouldn't be a good idea. But just what are your priorities here this these next couple weeks before signing day, whether it's just in the way you guys want to finish out this class? 
I think it's important that you look at, at the league that, that we're in and understand um, exactly what we've got to hit on the offensive and defensive line. And we've got, you know, a number of guys coming back on both of those sides. Uh, but to be in the position to, to be able to go run the ball and, and also to stop the run defensively, uh, those are some a couple areas that we're addressing. I think, you know, it's uh, would, would be, uh, you know, another very, very strong point of our our program on the way that we finished, you know, playing defensively in the secondary. We've got a lot of guys back, but also, you know, we've got a good group right now that we feel like in this class that could end up being, you know, a special group and maintaining, you know, the structure of what that is. Um, And then athletically, you look on what we need on ways to to get the ball in, in, in our playmakers' hands offensively uh, there's so many ways that we could utilize, you know, unique playmakers uh, in the way that we're playing offense right now. You know, there's a couple guys that, that we're that we're in on addressing on that side of the ball that that we're excited about. Uh, we got a chance here uh, over the next three weeks, and then plus, you know, the first couple of weeks of January uh, to really make some movements on that side as well. All right, last thing, I'm going to put you on the spot. So uh, you mentioned the college football playoff rankings. So let's say Alabama beats Georgia and Oklahoma and Ohio State win their uh, win their games this weekend. Uh, who, who gets that fourth spot? Well, you look at um, all the – you want to look at the body of work on, on how that's going to – how it's going to play out. I know there's, you know, people that, that study it, all the, the ins and outs of it. Uh, you know, I, I, want to see how the, the that our league game how that plays out you know it's it's hard for me to understand uh when you look at you know the 12 game season and and then you look at the quality opponents you did or didn't play uh and then how all that matches up you know, I, I don't know how you come up with perfect four i don't know if that's possible you know it'll be you know there'll be a lot of things that happen and after you know the alabama georgia game uh and who knows you know maybe both of those will get in so um I know that's a very broad, broad scope answer that you didn't really want, but I'll stay away from I, I was, any, any strong predictions. Yeah, I was just trying to give you a chance to say it should be like uh, you know Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and Missouri. But <laughs> I, I would uh, think there would be absolutely nothing wrong with that. All right, Barry, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And I know it's a busy week, and uh, we'll catch up with you on uh, on Sunday evening. Thanks, Barry. Yeah, happy to do it. Y'all have a great week. Thank All you. right, you too. Barry Odom from the road somewhere uh, recruiting. We can't really ask him where. He, I mean, we can ask. He can't answer. And, like, look, I want to want to say up front, yes, we all know there's contract stuff going on. This, this isn't really the time. I figured we need to get into that. I mean, that's all going to play out the way it plays out. I think it's going to get resolved, and Barry Odom's going to have a new contract here. But he's taking time off, uh, on the road recruiting. I don't figure we really need to uh, try to force him to answer questions he's not going to answer anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that all happened. Uh, you know, Louisville, we, maybe he was interested. or Maybe they were interested. Maybe neither thing was true. Whatever. Like, he's going to be the coach here. Uh, he's probably going to get paid a little bit more money to do it uh, this week, next week. Who knows? But, I, again, I think that the big thing is not necessarily what the number is next to his name, but how much of that – can he point to it and say, look, this kind of shows – this is the backing. I'm here for five years. Right, yeah. And, you, you know, you – Obviously wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. His buyout was far and away the lowest in the SEC, and that does obviously make a difference. I think it was 
Dan Wolkener tweeted out uh, on Sunday, you know, his name's coming up just because it'd be so inexpensive for, mm-hmm. for other coaches to or other schools to hire him in a way. So it, it is important. It shows, you know, it shows a commitment level on the part of the university. And I, I don't think there was really ever too much of a doubt this was going to get done. Uh, it's just, I mean, you know, I know people maybe over a few people maybe overreacted a little bit when, that uh, does not happen no. <laughs> when his name was tied to other jobs but that's that's not uncommon it's uh it's kind of just part of the process but i, I don't you know and i would be stunned if anything other than, than him getting a, a new contract happened here yeah and speaking of you know uh guys names being tied to other jobs so this is my favorite time of year like somebody on our message board compared it to a soap opera and right. i think it's perfect <laughs> like I, I just I can't get off Twitter. Like I'm always I'm searching Twitter and these rivals message boards because the coaching stuff fascinates me. So mm-hmm. we don't know if Gus Malzahn's going to be back at Auburn. That's the weirdest one. Like yeah. I remember when the AD said three weeks ago, "Oh yeah, he's coming back." I was talking to Jay Tate who does our Auburn site, and I'm like, "Did he like think about what he was saying there?" And mm-hmm. he's like, "I'm not really sure. He won't end up walking that back in three weeks." Yeah. Uh, I guess it's just, I don't know, man. Like, Gus Malzahn seems to, he's the guy that he lives on the edge of the cliff all the time. Like, right when they want to fire him, he does enough to save his job. And then right when he seems secure, he does it, he like sticks a foot over the edge and goes, I don't know, guys, you might want to push me off again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching that. We were watching the, their loss to Tennessee and Tuscaloosa, which was interesting in and of itself. But I remember watching them and saying, like, I think they're going to fire him. Like, I really think yeah. they might. But then, you know, he won a couple of games and like it wasn't, I don't know, it ended up not being uh, too bad. But like, I don't know, it's uh, part of it is, is yeah, it's been kind of him. And as, as Jay Tate wrote, you know, he hasn't done himself a lot of favors by not maybe opening up to some people he around that no athletic per- department. No people skills, but yeah. the fact, the still, the fact that no matter what, no matter who the person is, that you can afford to pay someone $32 million <laughs> to go away, then however much it would take to hire someone else, and you know it's not it, going to be someone it cheap. It needs to be someone better. Exactly. Right. I mean, like, that's mind-blowing to me. It, it makes no sense. Well, and, like, let's be clear what the Auburn thing's all about. This is all about Auburn fans yep. stomping their feet and going, why aren't we Alabama? Exactly. Why, why can't we do what those guys over there did? And it's, um, you know, because you're not Alabama. So the other one in the SEC, I just heard this a couple hours ago, Derek Mason's name is now tied to the Colorado opening. Interesting. Which, like two weeks ago, leaving Columbia, there was a thought Derek Mason was going to get fired from Vanderbilt. Yeah, absolutely. He, he beat Ole Miss. He beat Tennessee. Um, he owns Tennessee. Tennessee wants him. So does everybody else. But <laughs> Tennessee wants him out. But uh, Derek Mason at Colorado would be interesting because I actually think Derek Mason's a pretty good football coach. But Vanderbilt, there's just – I mean, you want to talk about no support. They don't even care. Yeah. No, yeah, he's in a tough spot there. I, I don't know. I thought – I've been a little bit fascinated with Derek Mason since SEC media days when he basically stood up and said there's no reason why we shouldn't win like seven or eight games this year. It was that, it that was really pretty bold. in a corner. It was really bold. Like, that's what I was struck by. I yeah. was like, wow, this in this – you know, conference of extremely boring coaches talks. This guy is really going after it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like he, you know, he he got him to a bowl, which is about like all you can ask for at Vanderbilt. I don't know. I, it's tough to say. Like, I does Colorado have a ton more support? I mean, it has more, but I don't know how much more. Um, they also yeah, they don't care. They fired much. a guy who I thought had done a relatively decent job there. Granted, I don't really pay a ton of attention, so I don't know. We'll see. Like you said, it's just an interesting time because you. You'd never know whose name's going to come up next, and you never know where these reports are coming from. Like, you never know if it's just someone or someone's agent trying to, you know, put them in a better position or if it's legitimate. Right. Well, and the one that always, like, I go back to it, 
it, it, it's a different sport. But I remember, like, when Gary Parish tweeted, Frank Haith is interested in the Tulsa job. Like, I instantly said, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that well, happened. And then it happened, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, you never know what's going to happen. So, the last coaching one, um, look, you're, you grew up in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, reports are that Jeff Brom is talking to Louisville today. Yeah. Where's he coach next year? Oh, man, I don't know. See, I, I, I really I, want it to be Purdue. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want it to be Louisville just because I like seeing Louisville be good. And I have yeah. a lot of friends who are Louisville fans, and when they're happier, I guess I'm probably a little happier. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, like, if, if I hadn't, like, if I, I if I didn't pay as much attention as I, I guess I have been lately, I would have just said Louisville because right. all the ties make too much sense, and they can they can afford to come at them with enough money. But like, so they, can Purdue. Yeah. Purdue can keep it. But they can afford to at least, you know, definitely keep, keep it even if not give themselves a, a, a bit of an edge there. And I would have thought, you know, the emotional ties would put put it over the edge. But, like, the vibe I'm getting is I think it's maybe sounded like he might stay at Purdue. I don't know. I, I, I'm I giving you a prediction like Barry Odom gave right. about the, the playoff. Uh, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say Purdue, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went to Louisville. Um, I also, if I mean, I can tell you. Green like, Bay Louisville, Packers. You know, Louisville – their their op- their options take a step down, I think, after after him, and the fans will be upset with any other hire. I think they're going to hire the Appalachian State coach because I think Jeff Brom's going to stay at Purdue. Now I say that partly with my heart because, like, look, I went to a school. I've now covered a school for 15 years that, like, it's always just kind of an afterthought, right? Mm-hmm. Like Missouri, even when they're good, it's like, yeah, that's fine, but they're not going to be good for that long. <laughs> and, and like, I want Purdue to be able to keep this guy. Because I think he's a good coach, and I want Purdue to be able to say, see, at least we're better than Louisville. No, it's just because you love the locomotive. That's why. I, well, I love Purdue. They're my second favorite school. I'm going to ask Jeff Brom if he's still there, if I can drive the locomotive onto the uh, onto the field at some point when Missouri has a bye next week uh, or next year. Um, I feel like there was one other. Oh, so we talked about the rankings a little bit. College football playoff rankings tonight. I think Missouri's going to be in them. They because I be. think the college football playoff pays – a little bit more attention than the the coaches and the voters. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I maybe not. I, I'm not but. sure. I have that much more confidence in them, but I don't know. I mean, like it. The clear thing is, it's very clear at this point. What happens is, you know, they they rearrange the rankings a little bit at the beginning of the year, and then it's just like, you know, this team lost, slot this next team up, and it's yeah. like. You know, it, it doesn't matter who right. they lost to, how they lost, anything like that. The fact that Missouri start went 0 and 4 in its first four SEC games put it far enough behind that it couldn't recover. I mean, like, I I have always said, unless you're you know up around the top four, or the top 12 in these college or playoff rankings, rankings really don't matter. Like, you know, it's kind of this like a who cares thing, but it it does in a in a sense. Like Barry said, like it is important for the kids and for you know the perception. Like, there's yes. going to be a lot of these commercials airing about the bowl games. If there's a little 24 next to Missouri's name, people pay a little more attention and even like during the season if you're ranked your score scrolls across the bottom of espn every 10 minutes Mm -hmm. or so and that puts you that puts you in front of people and it is a reward for the kids Uh, look i'm not like ultimately if you want to be ranked don't lose those two games you lost you're (laughs) 10 and 2 you're you're absolutely ranked so i'm not going to pitch a fit if missouri's not in the top 25 but you can't convince me that Missouri would not beat Army or Northwestern. Yeah. I think they'd beat Iowa State. Utah I know Matt State Campbell is the greatest Boise, coach yeah. in the history of football, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, so, I'm with you. Whatever. I'm yeah. with you. It, it's going to be there. Um, we're going to cover a basketball game tonight. That's right. I, I feel like college basketball season hasn't really started because I've seen Missouri play one game. Yeah, I know. It's been weird. They've been Well, they've been away from home forever, and then now they're going to be – only at home forever. Their next right. game outside of the state of Missouri is like January 15th. 
Uh, so we'll, we'll get we'll get a little more acquainted with them. But yeah, it's like you know none none of us went and watched the the tournament in uh, in the Virgin Islands, and then they have also had this long time off. So it, it kind of yeah, it feels like the the first couple of games I watched them play were like kind of a preseason, and now we're getting going. Yeah. So Missouri Temple. Um, I, here's what I know about Temple. John Chaney is not the coach. Yep. And uh, Mark Macon and Aaron McKee or BJ McKee or whichever one went there, they do not play for Temple. That was, was yeah, I don't know either. Those that was are. the early '90s when Missouri played them in the NCAA tournament. Those yeah. are the the last guys I remember from Temple. So yeah, we'll be at that game. Um, another UCF on Sunday. Yep. Bowl announcement on Sunday. Yep. So yeah, anything else? No, I, I know. I, I was just going to add to our Temple knowledge. I know Fran Dunphy's their coach now, and I learned this go. yesterday at Conzo Martin's press conference. He apparently still teaches a class at Temple while being the coach there, so that's neat. Norm Stewart taught a class here. Huh. Uh, yeah, what, I what never class? took coaching basketball. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he was any good. I hope he was good <laughs> at it, but I don't know. So, uh, yeah, anyway, normally do this on Thursday, but it worked out with uh, Barry Odom's schedule, so it's Tuesday, so... You don't get a podcast on Thursday. Just listen to this one again, and then we'll be back a week from Thursday talking about where Missouri is going in a bowl game, and we're pretty confident it's going to be either Memphis, Nashville, Charlotte, or Jacksonville. So uh, that really narrows it down. Get your <laughs> hotel rooms now. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.